Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, I'm I'm trying to get a head start and I jumped out jumped out <laughs> the gate running tonight. I know it, I know it. <laughs> Tonight's guest, Brian, I tell you what, a lot of people will be blessed with this powerful, powerful woman that we have on tonight. Brian, I think I had this show planned probably a month ago and I've been counting down the time uh until tonight. But I think a lot of people, a lot of answers are gonna be given to a lot of people that's gonna help them with a lot of their issues. I'm just ready for the night show. I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> you know, Greg, I was talking to somebody today and you know, some folks for some reason they're just not enthused about life. Mm. You know, I think we were talking about how I uh barely got my taxes off last night. You know, by the <laughs> way, tax day was yesterday. If you didn't get your taxes off and you didn't file your extension, just ante up some money for IRS. <laughs> you know, but uh I was doing my taxes last night, and, you know, because remember I was telling you I was waiting to try to get some last-minute stuff in and so forth, and I managed to get them off at the very last minute, but I couldn't log in to the site that I used. Mm -hmm. It was down, and I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, just when you get ready to put, you know, the last-minute touches on and send it off, you can't access the site. You know, and a lot of people get discouraged because I was discouraged. You know, and I'm, I kept thinking. I said, "Well, Lord, let me get it. Let me get it. Let me let me uh, sit back and pray a little bit, and then once I get my head right, I'll go ahead and try it again." And you know, lo and behold, it worked, and I got in, and I was able to to uh, get my taxes sent off. You know, but a lot of people get discouraged, and they just throw in the towel sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, they never look at the fact that you can still. Go forward. You can still, you know, when you get a setback, a setback is just a setup to a comeback, you know. So I'm I'm excited about tonight's guest. Yes. yes. You know, because when I first, when you first told me about it, and I, I went out to a website, I was thrown. I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, and I'm not going to tell you the website just yet. We're going to introduce her first, and then we'll let her explain a little bit about her website and what she does and everything. But it just threw me for a loop because I had something completely different in my mind. You know, you sent me the link, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to learn about this. And it's like, wait a minute. And I'm like, okay, it's a metaphor. <laughs> you know? But uh, I'm excited about tonight's guest, and I know you're excited about tonight's guest. Yo, so, yes, 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 I am. I, I, I think that one thing that jumped out um, to me is that she's busy. She's active, and the words that she used, all of them are so powerful and they're positive. Mm-hmm. When I sent out the blitzes, we, I started sending the blitzes out earlier this week, I got a lot of the responses back from men and women. Everybody was just raving about her beauty and how beautiful she is, and everybody that went to her site, they responded with, wow. That, that was their response. So, Brian, let's just bring her in. We, we're doing enough talking. Let's let's bring her in and let everybody hear from her. All right. Tonight's topic is your day, and our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And tonight's guest is, our special guest is best-selling author Cheryl Thomas. Ms. Thomas, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, welcome. The Abundant Solutions out. Yes, well, thank welcome. you so much for having me. Yes, how are you today? I am doing wonderful, and how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm just glad that we're here. You know, Cheryl, when you when you were writing your book, where did you get where where did the idea come from with the book? And that actually, you um, I got not the idea for the book, but the idea about the lifestyle when I was on a cruise. And um, I am a writer, so every time I go somewhere, if I'm going to be gone for an extended period of time, I take a writing tablet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on this cruise, and I'm asking God, you know, Lord, where do I go from here? You know, what do you have me to do? And I was sitting on the deck of this ship, and we were coming into the port of Nassau, Bahamas, and this was my first time going to the Bahamas. 
So, of course, I'm just awed by all of the beauty, and I'm sitting there, and the next thing I notice is I'm crying. And I couldn't understand why I was crying. I was like, Lord, this is beautiful. Why am I crying? And the Lord just began to deal with me, and he said, Cheryl, you're not living. And I couldn't understand. I said, well, Lord, I'm breathing. You know, I I feel my pulse, so I think I'm living. And so he began just to break down to me that I was only existing, Mm. that I wasn't taking full advantage of why he came, bled, and died, and was resurrected for. And he told me, I came that you might have life, but you aren't living. And so he challenged me on that day to teach Christians, namely, how to live, because we have the giver of life on the inside of us, but mostly we don't live. You know, we go to work, we go to church, and we come home. But most of us can't say that we live, that we enjoy every moment of every day, that we fully access God's gift of life. And from that moment on, I started my journey, that was in 2003, to live life, to not let God's dying and his resurrection be in vain. If he came that I might have life and have it abundantly, I was determined I was going to live. Awesome. Wow. You know, it's intriguing that you said that you were just existing instead of living. You know, because I think when when most people, you know, just sit back and they really take a look at what they've done in their life or, and they look back over their life, you know, they'll find that they fit that similar mold of just existing and not living. Because it's so easy to do. We We go through life and we have hurts and we have setbacks like you were talking about earlier and it causes us just to put ourselves on autopilot and so we just go through the motions and some of it may be because we've been hurt and so we're afraid to try again we're afraid to dream again so we kind of just say well if I just sit in this little corner and if I don't bother anybody then nobody will bother me you know I'll just you know take my feelings away but that's not what God wants us to do he didn't put this beautiful earth for us to live on for us just to go through the motions and so I think it's, it's easy, and I think more people are existing that even realize it, because sometimes when you become immune to things, you don't, you don't even know it. Like if you've been sitting on your foot a long time, then you, um, you move your position, and then you find that your foot is asleep. But it didn't feel that way when you were sitting on it. It didn't happen until you moved until you knew. So sometimes God has to jolt us, and he has to give us these little shock treatments to say, you aren't living. Hey, wake up, wake up. You aren't living. So sometimes God does that by an event in our life. Sometimes he'll bring a person in our life. And and this instance, for me, it was a direct visitation from him to say, hey, wake up, wake up. You are not living. I died so that you can live. And for some of your audience members and for people in my circle, it's been me saying to people, hey, wake up, wake up. We are not living, so we aren't affecting the world because Christians can't be effective like God wants us to be until we are living. Because when we are living and when we are moving and doing what he's called to do, that's going to cause the world to look at us and say, hey, what do they have that we don't have? I want some of that. And so more Christians have to do that. We have to be the vibrant people that when people look at us, they say, they have something I want. I do not have that, and I must have it. Mm. So, sure, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to say this. Because it it happens all the time, and, and you said it best that we get so used to to uh, a certain lifestyle, we get so used to it. You know, I, I was talking with someone just the other day, and and I figured out that that person they don't even know how to enjoy life. They're just so used to suffering and pain and dealing with issues. Issues after issue after issue that when it's time for them to really enjoy their life, they look for something bad to happen. They look for a reason not to be happy. Does that make any sense? And I think it's because they have been, in, like you said, in such a cycle where um, they're afraid. They, they fear that if I put myself out there again, that only disappointment is going to come because that's all I've seen in the past. And they don't have um, people or the right circle of friends, perhaps that will say it doesn't always have to be this way. A lot of what we um, deal with in life has to be, um, we have to deal with our circle of friends and our circle of influence. Sometimes you have to move yourself Mm. to get where you want to go. Mm. You have to get with a crowd of people, with a circle of people who have your best interest at heart and who are going to push you 
to not look for always the negative in life. So if you are around negative friends and you're always feeling depressed and you're always down, you're always with people that tell you, no, this is our lot in life, it doesn't get any better than this, then that's how you're going to feel. But if you encircle yourself with the people and with a group of friends that are going to encourage you to dream, that are going to encourage you to want more out of life, that are going to encourage you in your success, and that, and that are going to remind you of who you are in Christ, you can help but slowly but surely come out of that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be an overnight thing because you didn't get in the situation you're in overnight, but consistently, if you continue to feed yourself the Word of God, feed yourself what He says about you, you know, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made, you know, that you are the apple of His eye. When I wake up in the morning, God is glad that I am up. When we learn to think of ourselves as how God sees us, then we cease to see ourselves as how people see us and how the world sees us. And so we aren't tossed in and driven by, you know, the thoughts and the opinions of men. What matters to me is the thoughts and the opinions of God. And so when I surround myself with people that are going to continue to elevate me, continue to encourage me, those are the kinds of people that are going to push me to my next level. So I'd say to that person that you were talking to that's having such a hard time, you may want to look really closely at your circle of friends. Look closely at the people that you are allowing to speak into your life because whether you know it or not, your friends are speaking into your life. Yeah. And if you're going to give somebody that much power, you better have a little more discernment about who they are. Wow, wow. You know, Cheryl, I was I was just thinking about somebody uh, I talked to a while back was saying that normally you're the sum total of the people you hang around the most. Yes. You know, and that you take a piece of all of those people, you know, and that becomes a part of you. It's almost like when you're, if you hang with people and they smoke, you tend to smoke because you're around them so much, it just becomes a normal thing. Or if they drink, you drink, you know, or if they go certain places, you go certain places. And, it, and it's very rare that you don't do the things that the people that you hang around the most do. And, and that's so true. And, and sometimes you don't even have to do what they do. Like you said, if you are in uh, or surrounded by people that smoke, you don't even have to smoke to smell like them. Absolutely. So you, you have to be so careful about your environment because your environment is who you become. You are the people you hang around. Mm. And, and because people are in environments that make them comfortable. So you, if you're comfortable in a situation, that means that you are, you are that person. That, that person that is always down and always depressed, if you're hanging around those group of people, then that means that is you too. So you have to be careful who you give that kind of power to. You have to be careful who you allow to speak to you because if you are not when you start, you will be when you finish just like the people you surround yourself around. That's so true. That's so true. You know, Cheryl, when you look back over your life and you look, at the people that came in and out of your life and the ones that came and the ones that that's no longer there. When you look in the mirror now and you look at yourself and you just think about your past, do you ever say, wow, look at me now. I made it through those bad times. Look at me now. You know, I, I, I thank God for the life that I have, the life that I've lived. At um, almost 40 years old now, I can look back at my life and, I have the best parents on the face of this earth who always told me I could be anybody, do anything I wanted to do, who always encouraged my giftings in the Lord, who always encouraged me to seek God. Um, and I have the best siblings, three wonderful sisters, who always believed in me, so I had an excellent foundation. But along life's road, I've also had some setbacks, and I've also had some pitfalls. But what I did not allow those things to do was to make me bitter. In every test and every situation, even if I didn't see it while I was going through it, God always showed me on the other side, okay, this is what I was birthing in you here. This is what I was bringing out here. So I never, God never let me get to the place where I regretted going through so, so many things because I've gone through a lot in my lifetime. I've had a lot of hurts. I've had a lot of disappointments. I've had a lot of people fail me, but God has never failed me because every test, every trial that I have gone through, he's taught me something. He's either taught me something about myself. 
He's taught me something about him. He's taught me something about people. And I've learned how to just maneuver through the vicissitudes of life, you know, the ups and downs of life, knowing that every day is not going to be sunshine, but learning how to smile through it, knowing that every day, even when I'm in the valley, it's not always going to be that way, that there is a better day coming so I don't get stuck in any one situation, so that when I'm on my mountain, I don't get arrogant, I don't get pious because I know what it feels like to be in the valley so that I can always reach back and say, baby, I know where you've been, I know where you are, and it's going to get better. So everything I've gone through in my life has shaped and molded this person that I am and I am becoming. So I thank God for every trial. I thank him for every tribulation because it's made me to be the person that he's called today because if I hadn't gone through those things, then I wouldn't be able to help somebody else. All those long nights, Cheryl, when nobody else was there, when you didn't have anybody else to talk to, and I'm talking about those nights when you thought that you were going to lose your mind. I'm talking about those nights when you when you thought to yourself, you know what, if I don't wake up, it's okay. It's okay. And I know you remember those, those long nights. I mean, nights were longer than your days, and you were worrying about this and you were worrying about that. What you know, would you say to someone? What, what I learned through the, through the dark points of my life is I learned how to seek God. I developed a prayer life that I wouldn't give anything for. I learned about God in ways that I wouldn't have ever learned about him through those sunshiny days. And, and what I would say to somebody who's going through a dark period now is that, you know, weeping, the, the Bible is so true. A lot of times we try to come up with so many things, but the Bible is sure and it is true. It is such a foundation because weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This night may be long. I may be devastated. I may be depressed, but I know God is for me. Through everything I go through, I know God has my best interest at heart, and he sees me. And I know that. I don't wonder about that. I don't waffle about that. I know he sees me, and I know he's got me. So for the person out there that's going through something, know God sees you. Know that he's looking at the situation right now, and he has everything under control. He is working behind the scenes on your behalf. There is nothing that is happening to you right now that he is not aware of and that he won't birth you and bring you through that because he has somebody else. A lot of times when we go through our different trials and we, our tri- excuse me, different tribulations, we think it's all about us. But a lot of times the things that we go through aren't even about us. It's about who God has called us to help. Even when I look back over my life now, the things that I went through, they, weren't, they were so not about me. They were so about the person that called me that needed counseling in the midnight hour. They were so about somebody that called me that was thinking about killing themselves that I had to minister to. They were so not about me. It was about God birthing compassion in me so when that person did call, I wouldn't be arrogant and say, I can't see how you could feel that way, so that I would know where they are so that I could minister effectively to them. So it's all about what God is birthing in you. You have to look past your pain to see the purpose inside of the pain. Well, Lord, why are you taking me through this? You know, is there something I'm supposed to learn here? Is there somebody I'm supposed to touch with the the feelings of your infirmities through this trial, through this temptation? Lord, just birth in me what you have for me to do because there's a purpose. He's not taking us needlessly through trials and, you know, just throwing things on and say, well, let me see how she handles this. There's somebody in the balance that's going to need your words of wisdom, that's going to need your encouragement. And so as you go through your different seasons of life, know that God is working in you for you and through you to help the next person that's coming behind you. Mm, well said, well said. Wow, I don't even know how to come back with another question after that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right, we're going to go to a commercial break in just a minute, but before we go, I just want everybody to know that today is your day. <laughs> and Cheryl, you know, right quick before we go to break, I want you. I want you to say to the person out there that just heard you talking. I want. I want you to. What What's the question I'm looking for? What am I trying to say here? Help me out, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm at a loss for words after that. Wow. I think what you're saying, Brian. I think what you're asking for, and what you want Cheryl to tell them is, what are some of the steps that they can take to realize that they're in the valley because a lot of people don't really realize that they're in the valley they think that 
my life is supposed to stay this way because I'm not worthy of anything great happening for me. Nothing great happens for me. It happens for everybody else, and I have more faith for everybody else than I do for myself. What steps can a person take to start coming out of that valley? I think the first thing that um, they'll need to do is recognize who they are in Christ because none of us are worthy of our own accord, but if God thought enough of us to send his only son to die and to suffer for us, that makes me worthy. That means that he wants my highest good. That means that he wishes above all that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. God is for you. That's what you have to know, that God is for you. He is not against you. He's not just for the person that's sitting next to you. He is no respecter of persons. If he is going to elevate and bless somebody else, he has the same desire for you. You just have to grab hold of it. You have to stop thinking so low of yourself. If God doesn't think low of you, do not think low of yourself. If if God esteems you, then you have to esteem yourself. And I tell a lot of people a lot of times we have this whole big move about self-esteem and, you know, building up your self-esteem. Well, I have a different take on that because I'm not looking to build my self-esteem. I'm looking to build what I call God-esteem. See, because on a different day I can feel differently about myself because my feelings may waffle, my feelings may change, but God never changes. So I'm not looking to understand how I feel about myself. I want to know more how does God feel about me because he is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he said in the Bible that I am worth it, then I esteem myself worth it. I don't care what other people say. I don't care if they don't deem me worthy. God says I'm worthy, and I am going to believe the report of the Lord. Mm. All right, all right. You know, Greg, that's exactly what I was going to ask her about. I was going to say, what about the person who's just lost and they feel like they're just hopeless? So you you, kind of answered you kind of asked the question for me. I appreciate that. I knew where you were going. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your book, Cheryl, so get ready. Okay. We'll be right back with the Abundant Solutions out. Hey, Justin, Sarah. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hey, listen. Hey, Justin, Sarah. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hey, listen. I just heard about some kids who might try to get some beer. So? Why are you telling us? Yeah. Well, because I thought maybe we could go and, you know, drink. Why? Um, because... I guess because it's cool. Cool? Why is it cool? Well, you know, we can go and get wasted. And why would we want to get wasted? Well, remember that time when we heard some older kids talking about doing it? So? Why should we do it? Well, I guess... I guess I don't know. Sooner or later, someone may ask you if you want to drink. If that ever happens to you, maybe there's something you should ask them. Like why? Because the fact is, most kids don't drink. Even older kids. So think about it. There's no good reason to drink. Want to know more? Check out thecoolspot.org. If someone you love has a problem with drugs and alcohol, isn't that expecting this? Yeah, but it's the right thing. There is something you can do. You think I'll be okay with this? Shh, here he comes. Congratulations! You can celebrate his recovery every chance you get. For drug and alcohol treatment referral for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Good evening. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is your day. And we have best-selling author Cheryl Thomas as our special guest tonight. Our call-in number, if you have a question or a comment, is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Cheryl, tell us a little bit about the book and your inspiration behind writing it. Okay, the the book is called Becoming Engaged. Of course, like you said, it's a metaphor. It's not talking about marriage. It's talking about becoming engaged in your life. Um, 
I mentioned in the top of the show about how um, God challenged me about not living my life, and so I went on this um, expedition, if you will, to learn how to live life to the fullest. But what I found out to my dismay was I didn't know myself well enough to live. I found out I didn't even know what I really liked. I didn't know what I enjoyed. I didn't know what brought me joy. And so the, the book or the subtitle of the book is called Finding the Courage to Be Me, not a carbon copy, but to be authentically myself. And so what I wanted to convey to readers was that it was, it's okay to be you, not to be anybody else, not to be who people think you should be, but to be uniquely who God created you to be. So that's the whole emphasis of the book is giving people permission to be who God created them to be. Mm. So, Cheryl, you know, have you ever had to deal with worrying about what other people say about you and just trying to fit in? Because I, I notice that happens a lot. A lot of us are really not who we who we were created to be because we're so worried about what the world and what others have to say. Oh, my Lord, yes. Um, you are talking to a reformed people pleaser. <laughs> I used to always be so concerned about what other people would think, what they would say. You know, if I said something, would it be perceived wrong? Or, you know, I had to do this certain thing so this person would like me. And it, I found out that was exhausting because I wasn't being true to myself. I got tired of laughing at jokes that I didn't think was funny. I got tired of trying to rub people up and rub people down and making them like me because, to me, it, it took me out of my element, and it caused me to be or to make mockery of who God created me to be. And so I just decided I was, I was tired. I couldn't be who they thought I should be. I didn't have the energy to try to be who they thought I should be. I could only be who God created me to be, and anything else was a disservice and an insult to God because he uniquely created me to be the child of God that I am today. And if I was not going to authorize that by walking in that, then I was saying to God, I don't agree with what you did. I don't like how you made me. I think you should have made me another way. And I will not do that to the creator of my soul because I appreciated how I am divinely crafted. I appreciate what I look like. I appreciate my personality, and because it, it's God-given. And nobody else can beat Cheryl at being Cheryl. I have that down to a science. And if I am being someone else or trying to emulate someone else, then I am robbing the world of the unique gift God made when he made me. Mm-hmm. Now, Cheryl, as I read a little bit, I was on your website, and the website, I'll give it out now, is becomingengagedonline.com becomingengagedonline.com I'm going to say it one more time (laughs) becomingengagedonline.com you know and I was reading uh, some of the information you put out on your website and what caught my attention was in your excerpt it talked about how it says we must not fear life but embrace it nurture it and develop our capacity to not only receive it, but to give it. Can you expound a little bit on that for us? Well, what I've learned from my little life is that the people I am most attracted to, whether it be friendships, whether it be family members, are people that are full of life and full of energy. And and you can't give life if you don't have it. And so I think we have for for such a long time, we've been in such a, uh, an era of complacency that we don't know what life looks like when we see it anymore, especially not in the church. Because, like I said, we're in such a routine. It's every time you go with the same thing or every time you're around your friends with the same thing, nobody's trying anything new. Nobody's trying anything exciting. We're just existing, and we're just not even trying to emulate the life of Christ. When he was living was about moving in, into different circles and in different people, different classes of people, different sects of people. And I think sometimes we become so stagnated that we don't know what life is. And it's my contention that you can't get life from a dead thing. 
Mm. So you have to learn how to awaken the life that Christ has in you. And then when you are so alive in Christ, then you can impart that life to others. Because as God has allowed other people to come into my life and to awaken life in me, then I've been able to do the same for other people. So I, I think you have to be connected um, and joined with somebody that's living as well to be able to offer life, which is one of our mandates as Christians to do. Do you think, sure? do you think people have lost the... Do you think people just have lost the idea of dreaming, of really dreaming? They they just accept life for what is given them right now, and and they they have dreams, but a lot of times they protect those dreams and just hide them away, and never expect those things to really happen because they don't believe. Why why do you think a lot of us uh, have forgotten how to dream? Well, and I don't know if we've forgotten how to dream. I think we're afraid to dream. Because if you dream, then that means your expectation level has to go up. You have to expect to see the dream come into reality, or else it just remains almost a wish, not even a dream. But, see, that means you also have to put yourself out there, which is it brings um, back to life the subtitle of the book, which is Find the Courage, because it takes courage to dream. Because then you have to put a mandate, God, I need this dream to come to pass. I don't want to just dream about it. I want to see it. I want it to be real. And so I think we are afraid to dream. And I think a part of that is because we've been so hurt and we've been so wounded when a dream that we had didn't happen either in the timing that we thought it would happen or it didn't happen like we thought it would happen. Because what God does is he gives us the big picture and he says, this is what I called you to do, or this is what I want from you, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't give us the details. And he doesn't show us how he's going to retool and craft that dream to be what he's designed for it to be. So sometimes when it doesn't happen like we want it to happen or in the time frame that we want it to happen, we abort the dream and we put it on the shelf because we don't want to be hurt anymore. But you have to have the courage to say, Lord, if this is what you have put in my heart with everything that is in me, I'm going to go after it. Because what I have found in my life is I'd rather run hard and chase a dream than to live in regret and say, you know, what if? Because I never want to have regret on my shoulders. I'm going to do everything that he's called me to do in the time that he's called me to do. I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to put the onus of it happening on him because he's called me to run with the vision, but he is the one that provides for the vision. Shirley, is it safe for me to say that people, you know, they fail in life because they – aim too high and miss is because they really aim too low and hit. Is it safe for me to say that? Well, and and maybe, I won't say they aim too high. Maybe they aim too high and they don't hit when they want to hit. I think that's a lot of our problem, especially in this, this generation. We're so used to instant success that we want everything now. We don't know or we don't have the patience for the process. Because even though God may have said this, he didn't say it was going to happen overnight. So it may be 10 years before you see the, you know, the fruition of it or that you see the realization of what he's told you. But you have to keep plugging away until you see what he said. If God said it, it is going to come to pass. It may take 10 years. It may take 20 years, but it's going to happen. So I think a lot of the dreams that are on the table are dreams that didn't happen in our time frame. And so we got weary. We got tired because God said, you know, do this, and, and it didn't happen overnight, and we just said, well, maybe it wasn't God. You know, maybe I misheard. And so then we abort the dream, and God never changed his mind about it. It just didn't happen when you, you thought it would. Like the, the impetus for this book I've had for seven years, but it wasn't until 2007 that the book actually came into fruition. Now, if I would have stopped anywhere along the road, you wouldn't be seeing what is, you know, manifested today. So we can't get weary in well-doing when God is birthing us a dream or a vision or a goal when it doesn't happen always on our time frame. We have to keep pushing. Yes, yes, well said. You know, I was thinking about a lot of times, and Greg actually said it, he says time equals limits. You know, and so 
because we don't have, you know, like you said, we live in this microwave society. Everything has to happen right here, right now, instant TV, instant, you know, movies on demand, right. <laughs> you know. You have right. all this thing, that instant rice, instant pancakes, everything's like right away. You know, what do you think happens when people are finally forced to wait? Well, w- one or two things happen. Um, patience is birth. Maturity is birth. Because if, if you're honest with yourself, a lot of things that you wanted really, really quick, you weren't mature enough to receive. So God has to, to birth some things in you. He has to burn some things out of you so, so that you can, in the fullness of time, receive. So I think in that waiting process, which is such in the wisdom of God, he is taking you through the steps that when you get to his desired destination, you are ready, you are you are mature to handle what he's promised you. So the best thing that can happen from waiting is the process and the maturity that patience birth. Um, one of the bad things that happens from waiting is when we neglect or when we release a dream. So mm. you can either wait through the process and receive the reward or you can let go and then receive the regret. It's up to you. My, my, my. Woo. So, Cheryl, let me let me ask you this. We we already talked about when you look back over your life, and your book and your website is talking about engage and, and engage. You know, when, when, when we walk down the aisle, when the man walks down the aisle and you're getting married, the, first, the thing that has to happen before the woman can get married, somebody has to give her away. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody has to give her away so she can go forward. And I equate that to people in our lives that mistreat us. They're pretty much just throwing us to the wayside. So when, when that person gives us away, now we can actually go go on and marry that thing that we were created to marry. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. And what is so beautiful, um, I remember, and and I believe it was Bishop um, Noel Jones that said, rejection is direction. And sometimes we we take rejection so to heart. But when God gives us rejection, it's saying, no, not you. No, not this. No, not that. So we shouldn't embrace it as, okay, somebody turned me down or I was turned down for this job or this, you know, situation. It was God saying, no, I have better. Not that. I have something better. Don't take better. I have best. So it it just directs you around the obstacles and and potentially the roadblocks that Satan is setting up for you because he can set it up to make it look really good, to look like something that you want. But then God says, no, not that. And so he may cause a, a, a job to reject you. He may cause a person to reject you. But he's just saying, no, no, I'm just giving you direction. So, so don't get hurt by the rejection. Just open your eyes and see my direction. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, we're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is your day. Our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And we have Ms. Cheryl Thomas on with us tonight. Um, you know, Tell us a little bit more about what the book talks about well the book has um actually there are three what i call divisions or sections of the book and um the first section is what i call wake up um because i think we're all in a state of lethargy where the body of christ is really not awake we are just existing and like i said not living so the first section of the book is to get you to open your eyes and see that life is happening all around you and to encourage you to be all that God has called you to be and to walk into the fullness of life. And so I I have chapters in there that tell you, you know, you you have to be yourself. You have to be authentically you, not who people say you are, but who God has called you to be. Um, And I talk about what I say is mirror image. You're looking at yourself so long until the reflection that you see is no longer you, but it's God, because we have to forget ourselves and we have to become Christ-like because we are Christians and it is our goal to be like Christ. So we have to look at ourselves so long and and, and pray and and intercede to make sure that what we see in the mirror or what others see when they see us 
is not ourselves, but just the love and the reflection of Christ. The second section of the book I call the shake-up, where I'm saying, okay, now that you're awake, look at yourself. Discover who you are, what unique gifts and talents that God birthed in you that you don't see in, in anyone else. What do you do easily that others struggle to do? Because what God is going to craft in your life is going to be birthed out of the gifts and the talents and the anointing that he's placed on your life. But you have to be aware of what that is. Because what I've realized is the body of Christ, we don't know what we're good at. We don't know our own giftings. We don't know our own talents. So we have to take a moment to find or to ask God, Lord, you created me. What did you create me to do? What can I do that no other person can do so that we can become acquainted with that and then know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? We are the righteousness of God. God handcrafted me personally. There is no other person on the face of this earth with my fingerprint, with my eye stamp, with my voice inflection, no other person. So there is a purpose in all of that. He didn't just haphazardly design me the way he designed me. There is a unique purpose that I am to fulfill because I am the way that I am. Um, another one talks about being captivated by the light, looking at Jesus so long and so hard till we are entranced with his beauty and wanting to share that beauty with the world, being so enthralled with who he's called us to be that we want to share that light with others. And the last um, section of the book I call Look Up because we have to look to, to God, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He said anything that he starts, he's the author, he is going to finish. So I have to know that if I'm going to walk this race um, with the dignity and the purpose that he's called me to do, I have to look to him to order my steps. So I'm looking to God for my next move. Lord, what am I to do next? Where am I going now? Who am I touching next? What is the next thing on the agenda for my life that you've decreed? So we have to look up to God because he's the only one that can activate that in us. And it also encourages us to, to live in the moment, to be alive um, to, to, to smell the beauty of spring that we're now in, to enjoy a gentle breeze as the breath of God on us, to enjoy the sunshine, and to know that just for that moment God created that just for me, to live this life loving it, not fearing life, not dreading life, but loving the life that God came to give us. Mm. Cheryl, a lot of people are listening tonight, a lot of women are listening tonight that, we know are listening that are dealing with rape, they're dealing with domestic violence, they're dealing with that those wounds that are still open from molestation when they were little girls. And not only the, the women, but there's a lot of men out there right now that their hearts are just broken because of their families, uh, just torn apart. That woman may have wanted to divorce him or, or something may have happened, but families are hurting right now. And I know a lot of them are listening. And I, I really believe that bondages are being broken tonight because of the things that um, is being directed through you. And I, I want you to talk with this, these people. And I know we spoke about being in the valley. I, I know we talked about that. But I want to specifically say that those things, the molestation, the rape, um, domestic violence, those are uh, some very high things on, on on the list right now. And Brian and I, we deal with so many people that are dealing with this. Yeah. And and the sexual addiction, it's just it, it it's really amazing um, to talk with women on this show and find out that they've been molested or they've been raped or beat on or abused, but they're still here. And I, th I think that's you have to take your cue off of that, that even though you've been through such devastation and my heart goes out to you, you are still here. And so the question is, why? Am I supposed to reach somebody? Am I supposed to touch somebody? Am I supposed to help somebody through the situation that God allowed me to live through? One thing that I always advise um, women, especially that have gone through traumatic things, like you mentioned, rape and molestation and abuse, is you have to take that wound to God because you can't be an effective healer if you are still broken. 
So God wants to use that situation to help somebody else. But first, the loving father that he is, he wants to heal you. So you have to confront the issue. You can't say, well, yes, it happened, and yes, it hurt me, but I'm really over it, and you know that it's holding you back. You have to take that hurt to God and say, Lord, I know this happened 20 years ago, but it is still destroying my life, and I will not stop until you heal me. I will not stop knocking on your door until you release me from this pain. So it has to be an acknowledgement that I'm still hurt. I'm still wounded. I don't have the healing that I want in this area. And then allow God, allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to heal you of that so that you can effectively minister to others. And I'm going to say something here that we, especially in the African-American community, um, do not do enough of. I would advise them to seek some kind of counsel because when you've gone through that kind of devastation, that kind of hurt, that kind of tearing, oftentimes it's a third party that can minister to you in ways that you cannot get yourself, whether that be your pastor, whether that be a Christian counselor. Sometimes the relief is just in telling somebody else that it happened, telling somebody else the pain that you've gone through and allowing them through their gift of discernment, through their gift of healing, through their gift of encouragement to help bring you through that. Because what the enemy would try to do was to isolate you and, and to pull you off by yourself and to make you feel ashamed and to make you feel dirty and to make you feel not worthy. But the devil is a liar. God has placed too many people on this planet that have gifts of help that can pull us through situations that sometimes we cannot get out of ourselves. So I would say, first of all, take that scar to God for healing. Allow somebody, some Christian counselor, some pastor, to pour into your life as you seek healing for it, and then give God the glory when you're allowed to help somebody else. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, some of the things that you have going on and uh, some of the things that you are going to be doing in the future. So we'll be right back. Yo, Dad, have I told you how proud I am of you? Hey, thanks, son. What did I do? I think you eating extra vegetables and snacking on apples. Just trying to stay healthy by eating my nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I even saw you slip carrot sticks in your gym bag. You noticed that? I sure did. Well, that's what you've got to do to stay healthy and fit. <laughs> and that's why you... Daddy, we need to have that talk. What? I'm not a kid anymore. I need to know things. Like? Like why so many black men have diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. I'm worried, Daddy. I know. Folks like me are at high risk, but eating nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day can reduce that risk. And those are the facts of life, baby girl. <laughs> oh, so eating your nine a day is a good thing to do, huh, Daddy? Right. Sort of like you letting me date Maurice? Wrong. A message from the Department of Health and Human Services. Here's an important message from Reverend Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr., Senior Pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ. Did you know that more than half of all the new HIV-AIDS cases reported are among African Americans? Our men, our women, and our children are at risk. We must put aside our fears and exercise our faith and put an end to this deadly disease. Encourage testing. Learn more about HIV and AIDS. For testing locations, contact the CDC National STD and AIDS hotline at 1-800-342-AIDS. Your baby is so cute. How old is she? Six months. Mine too. Is your baby also getting her immunizations today? Yes. It's hard to get here sometimes, but I find a way. It's my lunch hour. I had so many questions at first, but I got all the answers from my doctor. Immunizations are one of the best ways to protect your baby's health. Call your health care provider to make sure your child is fully immunized by age two. For more information, call toll-free 1-800-232-4636. Sponsored by the Department of Health and Human Services. And we're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Tonight's topic is your day. And we have special, our, as our special guest, best-selling author Cheryl Thomas. You know, Ms. Thomas, tell us about some of the things that, that you and your organization are doing right now. Oh, we are having fun is what we are doing right now. Um, I have a section 
of the ministry that we call the Becoming Engaged Club. And it's a group of people that we like to say are dedicated to the art of living well. And so what we do is once a month we do an activity, and we're going to go somewhere that we've never been before, and we're going to do something that we've never done before. And it'll, it'll run the gamut of going to a, a polo match, to um, going to a museum just to, to see the artifacts that are there, um, to going golfing. We like to expose ourselves to different um, walks of life. We like to um, expose ourselves to different genres of entertainment. So we're going to do things that we think we may like and some things we don't know if we're going to like. So we're going to try to push ourselves to come out of the box, and we just have fun. We do exciting things, and we involve our brothers. We take the guys, and we just go and have fun because I believe that's a part of living, enjoying your life, not just existing and just walking out the motions, but doing a lot of fun stuff. So that part of the club, we just we relegate that for the fun stuff so that we can enjoy life. And there's a level of the club that we call NFL, which means never fear life. That part of the club teaches you how to access your dreams and your goals, and it pairs you with an accountability partner um, that's going to help you walk through that process so you say your goal is to become a doctor. You say your goal is to become the next great gospel singer. So we're going to make you put some strategies together to realize that dream. And so that person is going to hold you accountable. So we do a lot of things in the club that are going to push you forth to another level of living, that are going to excite you about life and help you to become the person that God has called you to be. Sure, it seems like everything that you do is is built around serving others and pretty much telling them you could be more than who you are right now. Where you are mentally, you're not where you should be. There's more for you. You can dream bigger. It just seems like you're really trying to help them wake up, like you said earlier. Yeah, God has given me the gift of encouragement, and I see so much in people. He's allowed me the gift of discernment so I can see so much in people. I can see so much potential, and it grieves me to see untapped potential, to see that God has given you so much, and he's placed so much at your feet but that you don't do anything with it. So I'm your great cheerleader. I'm the person that tells you you can do it. You can be anything that you want to be. If God has birthed a desire in you, you can do it. So I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to champion you. I'm going to be that person that's in your corner telling you that you know to reach for the sky because that's where God is. So we're reaching for the heavens. And so I want to be that to people because God has allowed people to come into my life and to be that to me. And so I want to give back what has God has so graciously given to me, and that's somebody to push me and to tell me that I can do whatever God has called me to do. You know, Cheryl, I think that's just so important nowadays because when you, I know when I go out and I talk to people, and when you ask the question, you know, have you ever been discouraged, like, as a youth? And almost everywhere you go, you can get that answer, yes, I have been. Mm-hmm. You know, I know me myself. When I told people, you know, as a youth that I was going to go to college and get a degree, you know, or I was going to go and make a lot of money, people asked me, what are you going to do, sell drugs? Nobody in your family's ever finished college. You know, what makes you think you're going to be the first one? Mm-hmm. You know, I had teachers. You know, I was, you know, A, B on a roll. Mm-hmm. And, no, actually, I was all A on a roll. Now I think about it. And right. I had teachers telling me, don't go to a black school because you – they, you won't get a good job. And, you know, and like I tell people, there are a lot of people in, you know, that came from black schools that are CEOs of companies. I think Symantec is, on, is the CEO of Symantec went to FAMU. Woohoo, that's America, life. You know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I went to FAMU and he went to FAMU and he's a CEO. So, I mean, that means I have the potential to be the CEO. Right. And, and then you have to look at the the mentality of the people that tell you that. And sometimes we have to, what I call, give them a pass because a lot of people are speaking out of their hurt and their disappointment. And, and that's what life does to us. It erodes our enthusiasm and it, it, it erodes our um, excitement 
And so when you talk to people that are older than you, especially when you're in that young, fresh age, you're coming out of high school and you you know, thinking about college and what you're going to do and all you're going to be, then you have the people that thought the same things that for some reason along the road they let their dreams drop. And so in all deference to them, they're probably saying, you know, I tried that too, but it didn't work for me. And I don't want you to be hurt like I was hurt when I didn't see what I thought that I would see in my life. Mm -hmm. And so in all deference to them, I don't think it's out of maliciousness. I think it's out of a warning trying to help you. But see, what they didn't do was they didn't keep striving for their dream. Right. So a lot of times you have to hear that kind of thing and just push it to the side because, see, I'm a product of Florida A&M University. Hey. All right? <laughs> so I know Go the rabble. benefits <laughs> of going to a historically black university. And I know that when I went to community college before I went to FAMU, and I know what my grades were when I was at community college, but I know what it was going to a historically black college, going there and seeing so many people that looked like me that were excelling, that were making all A's, that encouraged me so that when I came out, I, you know, I graduated with honors. But that wasn't my story at community college. I had to see average. But when I saw my brothers and sisters excelling and doing so well when I was at FAMU, that encouraged me to step up my game. Mm -hmm. And it also encouraged me that I did have it inside of me to be excellent. And so I think a lot of people fear excellence because it costs so much to be excellent because, see, you can be average and not put a lot of effort into it. But if you're going to be excellent, you are going to work hard. And a lot of people are afraid of hard work. That's why people drop their dreams because they think their dreams are just going to come, poof, out of thin air. But anything God has put in you is going to cause you to work because his word says whatever you do, he will prosper it. He's not going to prosper what you dream. He's not going to prosper what you wish. He's not going to prosper what you think. The only thing God is obligated to prosper is what you do. And so you've got to put feet to your vision. You've got to put feet to your dream. And when you do that, God will work out the rest. Awesome. If you would, Cheryl, please give out your contact information. And hopefully, I, I, I know, I, I hope you'll say yes, but are you open for speaking engagements? Yes, um, I am definitely open for speaking engagements. And like you said, they can... Um, Catch me on the web, becomingengaged.com, um, and there is a page on my website that's for um, speaking engagements. And if they want to email me, they can always email me at Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at becomingengaged.com, and I'm always on my email, so I do answer. Awesome. You know, you're going to get a lot of women contacting you, becoming engaged, becoming engaged. And I welcome them all. <laughs> <laughs> So many, so many people are going to be contacting you about that. But sure, we have about two minutes left. You know, and we want you to. Our whole focus is helping people. That, that's that's why we do what we do. And what is you know, with, with two minutes left, what is that one thing that you want to leave? Well, we're down with a minute now. What is that one thing that you would like to leave to our listeners? The the one thing that I want to leave with them is to believe and what God made when he made you. Because that's going to be the foundation for anything you ever do in life. If you believe you have value, if you believe that when he birthed you there was a purpose, there was a reason, there was a destiny for it, you cannot fail in life. Because as long as you believe in the creator that created you and that he has a purpose and a design, destiny for you, you can walk through anything in life, any trial, any setback, any circumstances. As long as you keep your eyes on God, he will see you through. Awesome. awesome. Well said, well said. Well, Cheryl, I didn't know you were a rattler. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Till I die. <laughs> Look, I'm starting to think about mom marries and... <laughs> <laughs> in the shingles chicken house and What? Is it still there? <laughs> no, it's not there anymore. They they uh so they, Oh no. Yeah. But you know, it that's just great, you know? <laughs> yes. I have you know, not been to Tallahassee in a moment, but I loved my time there. Well she's oh, gonna have to visit the Rattler Roundup, it. Brian. Huh? She's gonna have to visit the Rattler Roundup. Yeah, Rattlerroundup dot com. You'll find everybody whoever became or was or is a Rattler on there. I want to check it out. Rattler Rattler. I'm excited. We got about 30 seconds. I just want to thank you for coming on the show. And, you know, I know that your book is going to do awesome because it wasn't written for you or by you, if you know right. what I mean. Yes. 
And with about 10 seconds left, I want to let everybody know that on Friday night, we will have Gloria Loring. Gloria Loring, Friday night, 9 p.m. See you all then. Thank you, and God bless. Cheryl? Yes.